China's Evergrande debacle continues to really draw the headlines, and it's of uh, concern not just for the creditors who are owed more than 300 billion US dollars, it's also of great concern to the suppliers who are owed money for services and products rendered to the company. And on the Riabu podcast today with Simon Littlewood and Mark Lowdy, we're going to walk through, firstly, what happens if you are actually a supplier like the landscaper who we'll hear about, or maybe with the plumber or the electrician, and the construction company that you're working with, what happens when they go bust? What can you do to anticipate these sort of problems? Simon, really a very concerning story. Yes, I mean, it's, it's a, t- a typical case of an asymmetrical relationship, something we talk a lot about at Riabu, where you have a large and apparently wealthy company, although perhaps not so wealthy, uh, and a, a lot, thousands and thousands and thousands of very small companies that depend largely on that one company for their living. Yes, and we've heard some uh, some particular stories in this. The latest, of course, is that the chairman and some of his aides are looking to sell off luxury products uh, such as art, calligraphy, luxury homes, perhaps a few luxury cars in the process. Whether those suppliers, like the landscape gardener, who we uh, hear is owed $2.3 million, or other suppliers who... Uh, such as uh, cleaners who are owed more than $3 million. That's just one supplier for one development. They have got thousands and thousands of developments. Well, exactly. And whether, unsold. Yeah. Exactly. And whether they'll actually see any of the proceeds of these luxury home sales, of course, is written in the stars. So uh, practically speaking, if you were, what's the immediate assessment? If you're one of these landscape services companies, cleaning companies, plumbers, electricians, is there any point demonstrating, as some have done, outside the office of the, the, the company, or should you walk away? Well, normally I'd say no, but the reality is that whether or not Evergrande survives will be a political decision in China. Uh, it's not going to be a financial decision, because one of the further consequences of their difficulty has been that the property market in China in general has lost a huge amount of value. It was about three months ago when the um, value of um, debt Forever Grand started to exceed the the market value added based on the share price. Yeah, so it's technically uh, this this company is insolvent. Insolvent. Yeah, it was more money than it's worth. Um, so the question is, uh, is the Chinese government? So so a bleak answer to your question, but but is the Chinese government going to let it fold? Probably not. Most commentators don't think that they will. The process that they'll go through to support it is less clear, but probably they'll break it up hand bits of it off to different companies, some of them state-controlled, refinance part of it, um, and slowly over time meet obligations. But are they going to meet obligations near term? Um, It's a very unfortunate position if 90% of your income depends on China Evergrande, because I I would not be optimistic about getting any portion of that anytime soon. And I'm almost certain that they're likely to get a discounted amount over time. Um, Mm. Unlike the West, the Chinese government does not have to worry about the media. So they can manage this in any way that they like, pretty much. Yes. And, and by the way, in case you're wondering, we didn't deliberately put in thunderstorm sound effects on this podcast. It just so happens that one is drifting past the Riabu studio. But it does set the tone somewhat, isn't it, for the gravity of our conversation, Simon? Because coming back to the amount owed, even if the company is broken up, as you suggest, the government steps in and, and supports uh, functioning mm. pieces or viable pieces of the business, where do suppliers rank 
vis-a-vis the creditors, right? In other words, where do those who've provided products and services rather than cash come in into the pecking order of getting any money? Well, to the extent that the Chinese government or or government-related banks are owed money, they're bound to take precedence. I'll tell you who won't take precedence, and that's foreign bondholders. So if you've bought US dollar-denominated bonds, you're going to be quite a long way down the pecking order because they won't really care. But the suppliers who we do care about, I mean, is there any hope that... Uh, after the banks have taken their share for, you know, to re- the domestic banks for recouping their investments, um, is there a tosser left for the well, suppliers? So, so, I mean, if we just, just come back to our book, Let the Cash Flow, what we say in these situations is make a deal, any deal. Uh, I think there's a deal to be made, but I think there's only going to be really one negotiator in the sense that you, I don't think you can sit down and have a bit of to and fro. I think the government or whoever takes control of this is going to basically dictate what gets paid and when it gets paid, unfortunately. And I think it's going to be very tough. Um, some some of these developments will probably be finished. If they're, if they're sufficiently um, advanced to be close to being able to be marketed, then probably they'll finish those. There are probably quite a lot that they'll just basically leave if they've only just been started or if ground's only just been broken yet. Well, you do understand the the, the frustration of the business owners, these suppliers, who then go and uh, wave placards and fists outside the office of China Evergrande, as some have done, mobilizing their staff who've in some cases not been paid for months. Is... Is, a, is another strategy to simply walk off the job and say, well, if you want this almost finished apartment yeah. done, well, we simply won't do the tiling and, or plumbing or whatever until such time that we get My done. understanding is that in most cases, work has pretty much stopped on most of their sites. So that may be a hollow threat, unfortunately. Work has stopped anyway. Yeah. So walking off the job, removing your labor isn't going to happen. No, because they haven't been paid forever and they can't afford to buy supplies, so the, the job isn't going to continue. Of course, the chairman is not the only one who's had to sell his luxury uh, goods, luxury assets, art, cars, calligraphy, and so on. Not Often, you as well, Mark. No, fortunately, um, China Evergrande uh, makes up a very, very small proportion of our revenue. <laughs> Not to say none. Uh, but, the, but the fact of the matter is that the owners of those supply companies have also had to sell up the apartments. And, of course, they feel the pinch far more. Well, um, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you know, in the context, these are SMEs, obviously, for the most part. Um, and I know we're going to talk about that again later, but if we if we if we if we reel it back in from China to our own little Singapore, um, we know that seventy percent of SMEs that have borrowed money or are in trouble have those debts secured on the primary residence of the owner of the company. So so you're looking at, in the case of many SMEs, all around the world, you're looking at the primary residence or the main assets of the owner of the, the SME essentially being lost if they can't find some money from someone. Yes, but when you read the story, it'll actually tell you that some people, some business owners, have mobilized their staff to, as I say, demonstrate outside the offices. Is that something that you would recommend to SMEs, that once you've sold your own apartment, your own car, that uh, you know you can kind of demonstrate to your staff well, that, to you the- are, that you are serious about paying their salaries? Come and join me yeah, at the protest. It's not something I would normally recommend, but... If we agree, and I've suggested that this is the case, if we agree that this is a political process, then yes, that, those messages are probably quite important because the government listens to things like that in China. Interesting fact, I mean, I, I was kind of looking into China from a different perspective. The general feeling in China, if you talk to Chinese, is that they don't trust local governments, but they trust the central government. So the central government, which is a long way away, does have a degree of credibility for sorting things out, which is why you get so many petitioners going to Beijing. In the West, we tend to read that they get ignored, but that's actually not true. 
um, because the government in Beijing has an interest in ensuring that there's stability. So you've got lots of venal, corrupt local entities where you've got the tax people and the banking people and the politicians all hand in hand, right? Pouring money into Evergrande, probably with kickbacks. Um, but you've got a central government that wants to sort this out. So when those demonstrators go outside the development and make a nuisance of themselves, they're signaling to the central government. In yes. Yeah. So they might not get the media coverage, but at least hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll still kind of appear above the parapet, so to speak. Yes. And um, I mean, my heart goes out to them, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you know, it's horrible enough working on a building site as it is, and it gets very, well, I have to, which I've done in my time, uh, <laughs> and it gets very, very, very cold in China. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I've been in Beijing where it's been like minus seven or minus eight, uh, and work continues, of course. So um, it's to be hoped that a solution is found. The implications, if they don't find a solution, there's already been a huge devaluation in property in general in China, uh, is that there are a whole raft of other developers that are similarly tottery, if valuations go down, given that the balance sheets of all these companies are secured to a large extent on their built estate, uh, if the built estate suddenly drops in value again, and they've already dropped in value by 30 or 40 percent, then you could be looking at far more widespread insolvency. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's not entirely impossible that the, government, the central government will, will, will step into the development sector in a very, very big way and maybe create some kind of portmanteau entity, which is quasi-governmental, which kind of manages all this, which is a bit of a retrograde step given that they've been trying to decentralize all this and take it out away from government and make it independent. You know? Yes. Okay, so as we then move from the conversation, let's close the first part of the conversation first. If you are owed money, should you just walk away? Should you focus your energies elsewhere? And if there is any money coming from your customer, China Evergrande, well, lucky, cherry on top. Well, you've got to, I mean, given that you're not able to feed your family, you've got to find a source of income. So yes, you'll be looking for other jobs where you'll need to be paid by the day or in advance but at the same time you're going to want a campaign to be paid what you're owed by China Evergrande you're going to try and want to do both just as any company that we would advise or any company that would read our book will have a combination of customers some of whom are good payers some of whom are less payers and some uh, are worse payers and some of whom seem likely to plunge into complete insolvency so they have to approach all three in a slightly different way and if you want to find out how to do that then you could do worse than to really let the cash flow mm. um, indeed yes if you don't um, have uh, money to get paid, at least you could pay attention, I guess, is the, is the thing. So then as we, as we focus on some of the other companies, um, you've already touched on it. If you, let's say you have 60% of your business with China Evergrande, what should you do with the other companies that uh, make up the other 40%? Uh, what sort of engagement should you now pick up if you haven't already in order to make sure that um, you, you can at least salvage that part of your business? You want to make sure that you have a collectible transaction. So to the extent that you're invoicing and the invoicing is accurate, um, the revenue recognition part is properly defined because that's another huge issue. We've talked about this before. With projects like this, where you've got a set of things that have to be done, a set of milestones that have to be... Because when you, know, when you contract to build a large block of fats, you don't get all the money at the end because you couldn't possibly run your business. No, you've got to buy the pipes. You've got stage, the so you get, you get a bit up, bit up front and then a bit when you put the infrastructure in and then another bit and another bit. So... Make sure, first of all, when you contract, that those um, elements of this are absolutely defined in an absolutely crystal clear and binary way, firstly. Secondly, that's revenue recognition, the ability to recognize revenue and turn it into a, an invoice. Secondly, raise a clear and accurate invoice, which meets the requirements um, of your customer. And then thirdly, in, continue to manage that relationship, so be all over them in a friendly, loving kind of way. 
um, because it's like in almost anything in human affairs, if they're paying somebody, we've talked about this, mm -hmm. if they're paying somebody, they're going to be paying the people that are top of mind. Be in front of them. You know, we remember we talked to, to the wonderful Mike Grundy who talked about how he got on a plane and gone to the Philippines to meet the lady in charge of paying mm -hmm. payables. She'd never been taken to lunch before. She'd never been taken to lunch before. And thereafter, she was so delighted. He got paid on time every time. So make sure you have a really good relationship. Because very often, if you are a small, one of the few benefits of being a small supplier is that what you're owed in the scheme of things is not a great amount of money in terms of what your customer um, your uh, customer owes overall. Mm -hmm. So if you can get close to them and ensure that you're top of the pile, you're not really threatening anything. Um, so intimacy, discipline pr processes, um, and friendly and consistent follow-up. This can make a huge difference. It can ensure that you're one of the ones who gets paid. And on that happy note, we certainly hope that if you are owed money by China Evergrande, that you do get paid, um, even if it is as Simon was saying earlier, strike a deal of any sort yeah. uh, to get something. Yes, this is very sad, and uh, we do hope things work out for those, particularly for those small and uh, medium-sized enterprises who have families to feed. And if you have your own story, your own tale of woe, perhaps not to China Evergrande, but another developer, maybe not in China, but anywhere else, please reach out to us at service at riabu.com and share your story. <laughs>